You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, February 11th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres if you want more Padres-specific content, and for the updates on the show and what have you also subscribe to the show on youtube if you want to see my ugly mug and whatever shirt i've been wearing lately i've been wearing this muhammad ali hoodie basically at every episode because uh, it makes me all comfy and it's really easy to wear and it's 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 fantastic um also guys thank you as always for making lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day we are free and available on all platforms in today's show guys it's a nice and old special one, guys. We are going over the 2022 Zips projections made by Fangraphs, by the way. And this came out a, a slightly long time ago. Slightly long time ago. Let me actually see exactly. January 5th. Okay, so it's been about a month since Zips put out their projections for the Padres. So I'm a little bit late to the party. What can I say? I was a little bit sick, a little bit busy doing some other work. What do you want from me? But we're going to be breaking down the offense, the pitching, giving my thoughts on these projections, and just what they say. Now, granted, Zips isn't always right. You know what I mean? Remember to take everything that's going to be said in terms of projections with a grain of salt. This is a system that is flawed. These are human beings. But in terms of just a system that's really interesting to read and interesting to go over, I thought, let's go over it. Everybody else is doing it. Let's do it. Let's kick the tires on this bad boy. And you guys know me. I'm not necessarily Mr. Analytics boy. You know, I don't like reading the numbers. I like watching and I like talking about baseball in a much more fun way uh, than I think um, numbers usually elicit when it comes to this stuff. But I thought it'd be a lot of fun. So let's start first, guys, by saying this. Uh, Dan Zimbrowski does a fantastic job over at Fangraphs every year with these Zips projections. He even makes the little intro blurbs really fun. And last year, did it for the Padres and whatnot. And I think we're going to do that too. We're going to compare and contrast some of the projections from last year and how they ended up shaping up and what they're going for this year. But when it comes to the Padres, it seems that the basic gist of everything is that this is a super flawed team. But bottom line is a lot of the main reasons that people were excited about the Padres for heading into 2021, are still present. The system still projects well for Mr. Fernando Tatis Jr., assuming everything is all healthy and whatnot. His comparison, uh, according to Fangraphs' zip thing uh, here, is Alex Rodriguez, who you might have heard before, uh, projecting for 7.6 war, which, with the exception of some other players, maybe like Juan Soto of the Nationals, and if we knew Mike Trout was fully healthy, Mike Trout, they mentioned, Probably the best for any position player in all of baseball. He is that good and alone makes your team at least interesting as long as you're not the Los Angeles Angels when it comes to the aforementioned Mike Trout. And it's projecting well with guys like Jake Cronenworth and Manny Machado and Joe Musgrove, right? There's still a lot of stuff to like that we liked heading into 2022. And Manny Machado, by the way, still just 29 years old. Which we kind of forget. We kind of forget that every now and then. And he's projected for a 4.4 war, according to Fangraphs here. And that sounds about right. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what I find so interesting about a lot of the Padres' sort of projections heading into this next year is, like, it's very rare to have this crop of star players 
And for people to really be down on their team like this much, especially when this is a team that hasn't succeeded for so long, right? The core is there. The problem is that a lot of the other pieces that they traded for and signed didn't necessarily pan out as we knew from last year with guys like Tommy Pham, with guys like um, uh, Blake Snell, obviously, and Denelson Lamette had the injuries, a lot of injuries, which they break down in the article and whatnot. Of course, you guys can just type in 2022 Zips projections. You'll find the whole thing uh, if you want to look at it yourself. But I think one of the things that does need to be noted is the collapse, okay? Let's just talk about it really quickly, guys. Some things of note is that before the Friars, as the article stated, uh, the only there was only one team, the 1986 Orioles, that ever finished the season as poorly as the Padres did. The Padres went 12-34 and 34 in their last 46 games. They were on pace to being like a 94 team. They were great. And I remember like a lot of people were... There were some naysayers who thought we keep losing to some scrubby teams, but granted, it was still the first half. That happens sometimes, right? Go ask the White Sox, you know what I mean? They lose to some teams every now and then, but they still project for a good win total. And then what ended up, what ended up happening is the Padres suffered basically, like I just mentioned, uh, that the article brought up, one of the greatest collapses in basically all of MLB history. Uh, you know, 67 and 49 at one point, and then like I said, 12 and 34 in their last 46. And a lot of that was injuries, don't get me wrong, but it can't be placed exclusively on injuries, right? We have talked about it ad nauseum, the handicap that is uh, the Padres for current first baseman, right? Who must not be named. Um, he does not project well. By the way, if you're wondering, for, for, for fan graphs and zips projections, he does not uh, project well. Let me actually pull it up. I actually didn't write this down because I assumed that everyone would just kind of agree that he's not going to project well. He's projected for 0.5, and his comparison is Mule Haas, who I've never heard of before, M-U-L-E-H-A-A-S, uh, which is not good, especially considering that Will Myers is a little bit of a not great player. He's projected for a war total of one this year, but that's still better that the Padres' current first base was just to elicit just how dark it's gotten at that position. But um, what I do think that is, uh, what was I even saying just now? What was I saying? I'm forgetting now, but it's okay. Uh, another thing that kind of collapsed that I think needs to be brought up with the Padres um, is their bullpen, right? And a lot of the things, like I just mentioned, with the injuries and what have you, uh, injuries to starting rotation, injuries to Chris Paddock, injuries to Mike Clevenger, which we knew about, but Denelson Lamette was a big one, guys. Denelson Lamette actually was projected to be like around a 2.5, 2.7 war player, basically. Actually, I'm going to pull this up right now so I make sure I get it right. By Fangraphs last year, Denelson Lamette was projected for, let me see if I could find it, for a 2.6 war. And that is actually a lot. It's not like a crazy lot, but when you consider the fact that Denelson Lament we knew was going to be a little injured heading into the season and they still projected him that high, that goes to show you like that one area right there is one of the reasons that the system just freaks out and it says what's going to happen with the Padres and whatnot, right? So that's a good point to bring up. And another point to bring up is because of those injuries, because of the starting pitching not being as great as it was, we've talked about having to bring in Vince Velasquez and Jake Arrieta as these Hail Mary dart throws that they'll be able to reclaim anything, especially the former with Arietta of their former selves and just be somewhat okay and serviceable. Part of that was the injuries through August 10th. Let's talk about the bullpen for a second. San Diego relievers led baseball with a 2.89 ERA in 480 and thirds innings, the most innings of any bullpen in the league at that point and far above the MLB average of 415. And during San Diego's season ending hellscape, 
that ERA ballooned to over five. And I think that what happened was the bullpen was gassed. They were relying too much on them. This wasn't that Royals team that won the World Series. Still a very good bullpen, but you have some injuries. You lose Drew Pomerantz. Emilio Pagan goes from just being meh to atrocious, right? You have Austin Adams hitting a batter every five seconds, right? You have Daniel... Uh, what's his name? Daniel Hudson? Was it Daniel Hudson? I always get it wrong which reliever the Padres acquired from the Nationals, but whoever the guy that they required from the Nationals that I don't have that's off the top of my head, he didn't produce all that much, right? And while it's easy to blame the bullpen and whatnot, part of you got to wonder, like, is it just because the starting pitching was gassed and they were relying too much on the bullpen? And eventually, they couldn't keep up with that 2.8 ERA. They were overperforming. Right, So those are kind of like the signature points about the collapse for the Padres last season. But before we get into a little bit more kind of the specific projections uh, heading into this next season for both the offense and the pitching, let me take it just a quick second, guys. Let's talk to you about something that didn't collapse. No matter what happened with the Padres, these things always kept you in the game, man. It is the time of the year that I usually give up on New Year's, man. Let me tell, let me tell you, like New Year's resolutions. I mean, I always give up on New Year's the holiday. It's just... It's so bad. New Year's is so much more fun when you're just with, like, five friends and you're playing Jackbox Party Pack and maybe having a few drinks. And that's what I did this past year. It was awesome. But anyway, New Year's resolutions, I usually give up by now. That was a tangent. Um, but Built Bar has really helped me out, guys. The best protein bars in all the land because they taste like candy bars. They help satiate my sweet tooth. Right, they really help me out there, and they just—they're uh, healthy for you. You know what I mean? They're healthy for you. They taste really good. What is there not to like about them, guys? Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs, and you are living, man. Put down that Snickers bar. Go get the built bars, guys. And what I like about them, basically above all else. It's a great variety of flavors. Not that they just, in general, taste good, right? Covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, right? They've got mint brownie. they got coconut, coconut almonds. New this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. they got white chocolate raspberry. They've got apple almond crisp, which is my favorite flavor. They've got cherry barcia. They've got coconut brownie chunk. They've got eggnog and gingerbread in honor of, you know, the Christmas holiday that just passed us. They have everything you could want, guys. And here's one more thing that you could possibly want, and that's a deal right? That's a deal. Go check this out, guys. Just because you listen to this podcast, go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And let me just mention to you guys, it is Super Bowl week brought to you by GetUpside and there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL podcast. Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams are in LA all week covering the big game. So, you know, it's game time man go go check those guys out they're putting in good work those hosts are really good shout out Bengals and rams gonna be a great game let's get into the projections guys this is where the fun begins as they say so i mentioned some of the main points already when it comes to the offense which is manny machado jake cronenworth and fernando tatis jr um all of them are basically projected to be pretty phenomenal this year i mean assuming fernando tatis jr stays healthy they're projecting another similar season 44 home runs you know 31 stolen bases he's probably going to be that first pick off the board in most people's fantasy drafts because of stolen bases too manny machado still hitting really well uh and overall 7.6 war for Fernando Tatis Jr., 4.4 from Mr. Fernando Tatis Jr., 3.9 from Jake Cronenworth. That's an excellent trio, 
right? And Jake Kerner with the fact that he can play all over the place. The article does mention that they wish that he was playing at first base instead of the current Padres first base and who must not be named. Uh, but still, that is the situation they're having in. They're also projecting as of right now, basically considering that, you know, we're still, again, granted, this is still January, so we don't know what the situation is going to turn out. We don't know if the Padres first baseman who must not be named gets traded and they replace him with somebody else. We don't. We don't know if maybe a Will Myers trade happens, which is not something that I feel like had a lot of traction heading into the lockout before we lost track of everything. But even still, that could happen. Maybe they sign a different left fielder. But for now, they have guys like Tommy Pham. They still have Asan Kim hanging around there. And that's just kind of what they're projecting. Uh, and I found that the Tommy Pham projection isn't too bad. They're actually projecting a decent slash line of 250 uh, 246, 346 for um, batting average and on base, but just a war of 1.7. It's not terrible projection, especially considering he's probably not going to cost all that much, but it leaves a lot to be desired. And again, how many times do I got to tell you guys, but I'll say it one more time. Do not expect a major left fielder signing unless they're able to move the first baseman who must not be named. If that happens, then in my opinion, there's a whole lot of other options that suddenly open up. But until then, even with the DH and whatnot, and I talked about this on yesterday's episode. Yes, maybe they could put him there sometimes. If you don't want to play him at first, maybe you want to move Crony over to first base. And maybe you're excited because you could call up C.J. Abrams or something like that. Fill out the rest of your infield. Even still, God, can you imagine him as the D.H.? Every other team in baseball is going to have a, be a better D.H. Than, than our guy. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. But here's some things of note, right? I just want to remind everybody about just these projections, how they cannot always be you know, super telling, you know what I mean? Jake Cronenworth last year by Zips projections was projected for 3.0, which is not bad. That's actually pretty damn good, especially for a second year player coming off of just a 60 game season. And he finished with a 4.4 war. As I've talked about many times since the start of 2020, Jake Cronenworth is third in overall F war, uh, runs above replacements by fan graphs amongst all second basemen in baseball. The only ones better are Brandon Lau and... Who's the other one? Who's the other one, man? I'm forgetting. Who is it? Who is it? Marcus Simeon. That's right, Marcus Simeon, who basically practically won the MVP this year. A lot of it came from this year. But still, Jake Cronenworth has been awesome. And that's just a good example of like, hey, people cannot perform their projections. It happens. And Jake Cronenworth was the biggest one that did, right? Unfortunately, though, that also means that people can underperform their projections. And I think the biggest one by far was Trent Grisham. When it comes to just a guy that everybody was excited about, and that's Grisham, right? I talked about him. I made a bold prediction in Lockdown's little bold prediction series where I said that he was going to finish top 10 in MVP voting. Do I stand by that? Of course, because I wanted to be creative. It's not fun to go out here and be bold and say that uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be incredible. It's like, yeah, obviously he's going to be great. Heading into the 2021 season, Zip's projections had him finishing at 3.3 F war, and instead he finished at 2.1. And a lot of that was helped by, by the fact that he had a pretty good defensive uh, repertoire in his set. Um, he had pretty good defensive stats, right? He's projected for a solid defensive rating of 6, which is amongst the best among basically anybody on the Padres roster, with the exception of some guys like... Um, Hassan Kim, if I'm not mistaken, is still pretty up there. He's at a two. We still got something positive for Manny Machado. But for the most part, he's projected really, really well, right? And I'm wondering, what's going to happen? You know what I'm saying? Like, is he going to be that guy? We're going to talk more about Trent Grisham next week, so I don't want to spoil everything. But he is projected for a 3.7 
F4 finish uh, according to Zips, which is really bullish when it comes to kind of his numbers, right? I think that I'm not as confident in Grisham as most people. I just, when you watch him, those upper inside fastballs, anything inside, yes, he has a great eye at the plate, but he swings through a lot of stuff. It was... It was a little bit like Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham had so many pitches where it's like he still has a great eye. Outside swing zone percentage, which is a stat that tracks how many times you swing at pitches that aren't in the zone, right? It's pitches that aren't strikes. Amongst uh, all qualified hitters, Tommy Pham was in the bottom five, meaning like he had the best, one of the best. The only ones that were better were like Robbie Grossman and Juan Soto, like some of the better players in baseball, right? And Tommy Pham was up there. But the problem is that he just couldn't hit. So when something was in the zone, he was just swinging through it every time. And with Grisham... I just, I like his defense, don't get me wrong, but is his defense going to be the thing that is just carrying him forever? Is this the best of Trent Grisham? I don't know, right? I don't know. I don't know. I think he's a solid player for years, and he has a lot of club control value, so he's still a very valuable asset, but 3.7 is awfully bullish for this guy. Awfully, awfully bullish. Um, I don't mind them pegging uh, Jake Cronenworth for a little bit of a, a regression to 3.9. That's still very good, c- coming off a of 4.4. But just me personally, Grisham, I just worry about that inside stuff. I feel like people are pitching him a lot better than they did before. And when you just look at the eye test stuff when it comes to him in the outfield, I just kind of, you know, I think he's good, but he has some moments where he just f- forgets how to catch, like he uses the wrong hand or something like that. He f- he forgets that you're using this glove for a second, and then it just bounces off the glove. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. Basically, what I'm trying to say is we're going to talk about more dr- dr- uh, Trent Grisham next season, but uh, he needs to step up. He's going to be a big part uh, into kind of uh, this Padres team. He needs to hit the ball better and sharper. He had a lot more hard hit rate percentage stuff when it came to his previous season in this past year. It just wasn't there, man. It felt like every ball was like a miracle if he hit it. The walks were good, but he needs to cut down on strikeouts too. So he's the big kind of wild card, I'd say, when it comes to the offense. Some other guys, obviously, if CJ Irams gets called up, if Hassan Kim, who they're projecting to be slightly better with a better on-base percentage considering it's his second season, if he's able to improve, you know, if you're able to get something out of Austin Nola, who has played barely any games, but 256, 327 slash line, that's not too terrible he's not gonna hit for any power but he's a decent defender and if maybe by any chance maybe if Luis Campizano is called up Fangraphs is having him up there you know with a war of 1.1 which isn't terrible but it's just not all that much man so Hassam Kim Trent Grisham can they improve this year right especially with the case of Grisham can he bounce back that is going to be one of the big questions I'm a little bit more cynical about it I think he's gonna be an okay player but a guy with a 3.7 f4 I don't know, man. There's a lot of outfielders that I'm pegging to do a little bit better than Trent Christian. But in terms of the other wild cards on the pitching side of things, guys, we're going to get to those in just one second. Firstly, though, you know, I'm not making a bet when it comes to Trent Grisham batting back necessarily uh, this next year, but... Betting is still something that I know people are very interested, guys. And Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your favorite sports and scores and podcasts and news this season. And it's not just the football or the baseball. They got you covered in not just pro hoops, but also college hoops, the NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game 
starts. All right, you dorky dorks. Let's get into pitching, man. Because pitching, I actually think, is a lot more fascinating. Because there are about 17 different X factors when it comes to the Padres and their pitching. Uh, because, you know, like I talked about, their pitching suffered a lot of injuries with guys like Paddock, with Lamette basically becoming just a, uh, I don't know, a super reliever, at least in theory. Like he's over an overqualified reliever, right? And even then, he struggled a whole bunch. You know what I'm saying? And it's really concerning because, like I said, a good example of the system not really uh, panning out and projecting, and again, these are just projections, is Denelson Lamette was huge for fan graphs, right? He literally got a uh, a comp to Bob Gibson, the good Bob Gibson, um, and he's just not being projected well for this year with just around 60 innings pitched because they're not, they just think that that arm and whatnot is not really, you know going to hold up and whatnot they don't think that he's going to have a good season um and i think that that's fair and when you look at like i said being projected for 2.6 f4 last year despite the fact that they knew he was probably going to be uh injured for a decent start of the season showed you how high the system was on denelson limit and for good reason slider is basically one of the best in baseball it's a wipeout slider but this past year even out of the bullpen every time he would have these mess ups he would give up bigger hits and the k rate was sometimes a little bit you know fluctuating and whatnot so Delosa Met is a big problem and you got guys like Chris Paddock and you got guys like uh Blake Snell and you Darvish you have Joe Musgrove who is projected as the best overall um sort of uh pitcher heading into the Padres for this year projected for a war of let me just bring it up really quickly projected for a war why can't i bring it up See, this is what i hate because they have like a standard and advanced, and I always get them like I can never see which one is which. Does that make sense, guys? Okay, here we go. Three point five WAR from Joe Musgrove is what he's projected, which is really, really, really damn good. And I guarantee you, it was not what people had expected. Up next is Mike Clevenger with a two point four WAR. After that, you Darvish with a two point four. Then Blake Snell, which the system is actually not all that high on, which is a little bit surprising considering that. Everyone you talk to is expecting, because of how Blake Snell ended his season last year, limiting his pitching repertoire, focusing more on the fastball and slider, uh, that they're expecting a little bit more of a bounce back. Not fan graphs, man. They are not absolute, they're absolutely not projecting that at 2.3, which isn't horrible. But if you look at it, one of the biggest things is a 30% strikeout rate is one of the things they're talking about. They think he's going to be the best strikeout artist on the Padres, especially amongst their starting pitchers. But 10.7% walk rate is around the projection for them, which outpaces basically everybody on the team. So they still aren't totally sure about his control, which is fair. And then after that is Nick Martinez with a 2.1 war and then Chris Paddock with a 1.8. Nick Martinez is very interesting. Uh, he's projected for 2.1. He's reached his mid-90s. He's throwing harder. He did not do well when he was with the Rangers and in Major League Baseball, but he's been out for a while, and the Padres made a decent commitment to him. That contract, right? Which I'm going to pull up right now because I don't have it in front of me. But the contract, let me see here if I can find it. Um, Nick Martinez, they signed him to a four-year $21 million deal, and they also signed for a reliever, Robert Suarez, to a two-year $11 million deal, which we talked about. Robert Suarez can reach triple digits, right, when it comes to his fastball command and whatnot, but they aren't coming from Major League Pitching. It's been a while since they pitched in Major League Baseball, so there are reasons for concern, but I find it interesting that the, the system seems to be high on Nick Martinez, especially considering that, you know, four-year $20 million, it's decent money, but it's not crazy, right, especially since it's not a long commitment, so... That's at least a little bit exciting. But, like I said, 
there's still some other wild cards in here, right? And there's still a lot of other concerns, all right? First, in terms of the concerns, Paddock last year, he was projected for 2.7 F4, which is, you know, they expected a bounce back. He did not have that. Finished with 1.8. And this season, still projected for 1.8. It's just, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I mean... I don't really know what else to say with Paddock. That's actually not a bad projection, considering that his ERA was so in the tubes and he was giving up home runs and whatnot, and his changeup people started to hit better. That's actually not too bad of a projection, in my opinion, but it's still not loving him as much. It's okay. It's okay. But a lot of this depends on, is is my coverage going to be great? There's, two, there's so many variables to this starting pitching, right? They don't have a lot of leeway. They don't have a lot of room to kind of mess up, right? We have to hope that Clevenger's healthy. We have to hope that Darvish and Snell can bounce back. Because another big thing, and this is the big, big wild card as well, on top of Mike Clevenger, another big one is Mackenzie Gore, right? Mackenzie Gore, heading into last season, got compared to Steve Carlton, the Philadelphia Phillies Hall of Fame starting pitcher who had a career war of 90 according to baseball reference, which is just insane. That's who Mackenzie Gore was being compared to heading into this past season. Think about that for a second, guys. That's how far we've come, right? That's how far we've we've fallen, I guess you could say, right? That's how much things have changed for the outlook on Mackenzie Gore. And then in terms of this season, Fangraphs isn't loving him. They don't necessarily think that he's going to kind of debut all that much uh, this season. They don't have him pegged for all that many innings. Uh, just 14, they don't really, th- or not 14, hold on, let me see. I got that wrong, my apologies, guys. Uh, 47, 58.7 innings. Like, that's about the same as, like, Denelson Lament, which is also a bad sign, by the way, that they think Gore is going to basically pitch as much as him. But Mackenzie Gore might make his debut, but the 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 out- the variables for the outcomes here are just really not all that great. And I've talked to people before. I talked to Arm Layton over at Just Baseball about Mackenzie Gore, and he was saying, this is rare. Pitchers do not become the best pitching prospect in baseball and then fall out, in the case of Gore, out of side the top 100 overall prospects in baseball after basically just a year. It's not like it's been like, it's not like he, he premiered, right? It's not like he came to Major League Baseball and got lit up and we were like, oh my God, we got to readjust our, um, our projections for him, right? But Carlton, are you kidding me? A Hall of Fame pitcher with a 90 war. That's who Mackenzie Gore was. So you're hoping that you can get some value out of Gore, and we're probably going to see him debut at some point this season, especially if some injuries kind of come in, especially if, you know, guys like Adrian Morahone don't perform up to snuff. If they don't use Ryan Weathers, he might need some nurturing down in AAA or what have you, right? Depending on how things shake up, you could see, right? If, if Nick Martinez gets hurt or if Nick Martinez isn't really all that good and he's a bust immediately, we're probably going to see a debut of Mackenzie Gore. And the big thing that they also talk about with this um, Padres starting pitching group is that they don't have too many enforcements in the minor leagues right now. They have an Ethan Elliott. They have guys that can come up and maybe do something, but no one that you're super excited about anymore. Gore was supposed to be that headliner. So the bottom line is kind of when you just look at these projections for the Padres, I've said a lot that this team reminds me of the vibes that we got heading into 2020. Not 2021, but 2020. And that was that everyone was like, uh, maybe they can win like 84, 85 games. That's not a bad position to be in, especially because you have a lot of certified stars, especially on the offensive side of things. And they can still move around a little bit if they are able to move their first baseman. And as I've mentioned a lot, 
at least with all the pitching guys, it's not like they have someone who's only projected for like a, a one point two WAR who's like their second starter, right? They still have these just dart throws, you know. That's kind of my vibe that I'm getting from his zips projections. Where yes, Musgrove is going to be great. Yes, Mike Clevenger is probably going to be great. He's a big X factor. But even if Snell and Darvish don't become Cy Young caliber, right? So, uh, you Darvish had one of the best ERA marks from the second half of 2019, and then all the way through 2020, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball, right? If he's still like, if he can achieve that level, that'd be great. But even if he doesn't, at least getting something out of him that's pretty solid, especially for someone who could be your number three or number four starter, that's still pretty good when it comes to winning games in totality across the season. Maybe not necessarily playoff game one starter, but still, he can give you some value. And the same thing goes for Blake Snell. And I know that everybody's not as bullish on Mr. AJ Preller these days. But maybe signing Mick Martinez, who somebody commented, by the way, a little bit a while ago. I forgot what it was exactly um, that that somebody comments on the YouTube page saying, like, like just ripping me in half for roasting Nick Martinez, that I don't know anything. And I actually didn't really roast Nick Martinez. My thing was just in terms of when he pitched in Major League Baseball, he was not very good. Like, that's just a fact, right? He was actually pretty poor. He had like a 4.5 ERA and, you know goes and pitches elsewhere and he's improved and the fastball has gotten better so maybe the Padres know something right maybe AJ Preller says I really like this guy and I think that he's legit and the last time he did that we went for Joe Musgrove right you get a Zach Davies maybe he knows what he's doing I've often found that AJ Preller seems to have succeeded more with the under the radar moves than he has with the top stuff especially with Padres first baseman who must not be named um What's his face with Will Myers, right? Making that trade for Will Myers. Instead, Grisham, Musgrove, he's made some good good trades before, right? So Nick Martinez, there is reason to be excited about him to be that nice fifth rotation guy, uh, fifth guy in the rotation to help them down the road, especially if Mackenzie Gore doesn't work out as much as we really want him to. So I still think that there's a lot of excitement to be had here. I think that this is a very good team, uh, potentially, and I think that Fangraph says the same thing. And so does Dan Zabrowski, right? He's basically like, they're absolutely contenders, especially considering that the Dodgers and the Giants lost some pieces from their team. The Giants with Buster Posey, right? They lost Buster Posey. They lost Kevin Gosman. And I know that they have Logan Webb, who's a stud. Don't get me wrong. I still think the Giants can be very good. But can some of those old heads like Longoria and Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt, can those guys keep it up, right? Can they still do it? Do they still have a little bit more juice left? They are one of the oldest teams in baseball. Not a guarantee, right? And then the Dodgers, no more Corey Seager. Maybe no more Clayton Kershaw, by the way, which is very fascinating. No more, um, there's one more player. Who's the other player that they lost? I'm forgetting who the other player is that they lost. Uh, but they probably don't have Trevor Bauer, which we're not going to get into all that right now, but they're probably not going to have Trevor Bauer. So, you know, there's reason to believe that the Padres can vault themselves upwards. Uh, they're still probably more likely projected as a wildcard team, but even still, guys, I know last season was bad, but there's still such a good core here. And if a few things just spin right, if they get some Atlanta Braves type of luck and the guys just perform above their expectations, if we get more guys who perform above their expectations the way Cronenworth did last year, the way that Lament did heading into 2020, the way that a lot of other guys did, then it might be something special, all right? You got to keep the faith, man. You got to keep the faith. That's how I feel about it. But nonetheless... I hope you guys enjoyed that little breakdown of the Fangraphs Zips projections for the 2022 Padres. It was long overdue, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. If not, I apologize, guys. But I can guarantee you 
that you're going to enjoy this podcast, right? That's Locked On Bets. How do you like that transition, everybody? Make it your second listen, uh, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I imagine they've got all sorts of stuff on the Super Bowl. They got you covered, guys. Go check out Locked On Bets. In terms of the future of this podcast, we got a lot of fun episodes coming up next week. Do not fear. We still got plenty of things to talk about. Going to be talking about Trent Grisham, more specifically, maybe an all-around, all-encompassing episode about Trent Grisham. What makes me so kind of scared for his 2022 season and what have you. Also going to be talking to Lindsey Crosby, the new host of Locked On MLB Prospects, about Mackenzie Gore, who we talked about on today's pod, but diving even deeper into him. What happened? Where did that Carlton comparison go for? Right? You know what I mean? What, does Lindsey have a different uh, comparison for him, right? Going to be talking about him. Going to be talking about any updates on the lockout. Going to be, hey, might even do an episode on Nick Martinez. Who knows, guys, but we got a lot of fun stuff for the future. And maybe even some geeky stuff. Maybe do some more fictional baseball player stuff. Let me know, guys, if you enjoyed that from yesterday's episode. But with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. At LO underscore Padres on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Lockdown Padres. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My prior faithful homies, take care. Let's go.